1975, the day Rudy was carried off the field. And wouldn't it be great to be cheered in the arena of life like that? I'm talking about hearing, well done, way to go. In other words, you lived the adventure God had created you to live. Did you know that's ahead for every man in this room? It's ahead if you live the great adventure, the adventure God has for you. You know, there are moments in life that it's just flat great to be a man. I mean, to, to feel the camaraderie of brotherhood, uh, the engagement of, uh, in a noble cause together with a group of men. Uh, in fact, I've discovered it's great to be a man for other reasons. I want to give you uh, the top ten practical reasons it's great to be a man. Number ten, well, your last name remains, stays put. N- number nine, the garage is all yours. Number eight, you don't give a darn if someone notices your new haircut or not. Number nine, wrinkles add character. Number, I mean, that's number seven. Number six, You never have to drive to another gas station because this one is icky. Okay, Number five, you get extra credit for the slightest act of of thoughtfulness. (laughs) Number four, if someone forgets to invite you to something, he or she can still be your best friend. Number three, your underwear is $8.95 for a three-pack. Number two, You can quietly watch a game with your buddy for hours without ever thinking, is he mad at me? Then the number one reason it's great to be a man is, number one, if if another guy shows up at a party with the same outfit as you, well, you might just become friends for life. Now, those are the practical top ten reasons it's great to be a man. But there are other reasons I think it's great to be a man. Let me give you ten other reasons I've come up with. The first, we each have the opportunity to lead one of the most challenging organizations and the most influential organizations on the planet. It's called the family. You don't need to put that up yet. Uh, Number two. Uh, We can be a little boy and a little girl's hero. It's a great reason to be a man. Number three, uh, we can bond in battle as brothers like nothing else, whether it's sports, work, or at war. Four, we can earn a woman's respect and admiration over a lifetime. Uh, The fifth reason it's great to be a man, we get a chance to define nobility for the next generation. Uh, sixth, we get to honor we get the honor of standing courageously for an eternal kingdom. Uh, seven, we have the privilege to call young men around us into something this world can never call them into, and that's authentic manhood. Eighth, we get to know God and we get to see Him work through us. Nine. Uh, We can make part of this world, maybe just a small part, but we can make part of this world a better place for other people. And then 10, the reason it's great to be a man is we get to experience the great adventure. You see, it's great to be a man, and maybe there are more reasons it's great than you ever imagined in your life. 
Well, for the past 18 weeks, what we've been doing is we've been assembling the parts of this great adventure. But before you walk out today, uh, there is something you've got to come to terms with. There's something I cannot do for you. I mean, I can give you the pieces. I can give you the instruction. I can give you the encouragement. Uh, but I can't make you an adventure. I mean, I wish I could. I wish there was something I could magically say that would just suddenly uh, transform you into a great adventurer, but I can't. Only you can do that. I mean, the old adage is, uh, you've heard is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I think the same is true with men. You can lead a man to the great adventure, but you can't make him an adventurer. You can't make him live it. I mean, it can be right in front of you, all the parts there ready to go, and you just got to take the next big step or two, and it'll materialize before you. But only you can take it. I can't take it for you. You're the one that's got to take it. And that's the distance only you can travel. You see, the great adventure for every one of us in the room, including me, is a choice. It's a choice that we've got to make that will change the rest of our lives. And it's a choice to begin taking the truth you've learned in here and begin applying it. Because what I've discovered in life is that uh, the great adventure just it turns on several defining moments. Sometimes just one decision, one defining moment in life. Uh, you know, you've got to decide, am I going to live the adventure or am I going to live a life of mediocrity? That's where you are today. In fact, um, for some of you, as you look over the landscape of your life, you, you can identify some defining moments that have changed your life. I mean, changed it for the better. Where you made a decision and you look back and you go, man, I'm glad I made that decision 10 years ago. Or, or that was a white-knuckle kind of thrill ride and I almost didn't do it, but I'm so glad I did because I can see now what I couldn't see back then, that I chose what was right and noble and it's played out in my life in fantastic ways. But you can also look back over life, and those defining moments, those mountaintop experiences, maybe it's just a mountain, maybe not a mountaintop experience, where you chose something that wasn't so good, and it led to months and years of pain and compromise. Those are the defining moments of a man's life where he has to choose Life tends to turn on defining moments, critical moments. In fact, I remember uh, finishing college with degree in hand, but shocking my parents uh, and choosing not to pursue being a landscape architect, even though I had the degree. Instead, I chose to go on staff with a nonprofit organization called Campus Crusade for Christ, where I had to raise my own financial support. I remember one of my supporters found out that I was, I was getting paid $475 a month back then, 1975. And one of my supporters, I remember, he asked me what I made. I said $475 a month. He said, good God, son, that, that's less than my car payment. How do you make ends meet? He thought I was nuts. My dad, my family thought I was crazy. My dad set me down and said, son, you do this. I don't want you talking to any of my friends. But that decision to go on staff with Crusade and strap on raising financial support, which I didn't know how I was going to do that, 
it became a defining moment that ended up impacting all the rest of my life. Look at letter A. It says every man has a few defining moments in his life where he goes to a place inside himself and decides. Now, he goes to this place inside himself. He goes by himself. He can't take his friends there. His, his wife can't come with him. He can't bring a licensed counselor with him. I mean, every man that we're here today has to make a decision to go to this place and ask himself the question, who am I? Why am I here? And what are the adventures that God has for me to experience? And it's going to be your choice, meaning that only you can make it. No one can make it for you. You know, I think um, today could be one of those defining moments. We spent six months together. And I've given you everything I've got on the, on the adventure. So you can choose to take everything you've recorded in this notebook and close it next week put it on the shelf and have it sit there and everything you've learned will just go passive in your life. Or you can take the information, the exhortation, open that notebook and begin to put it into practice and it'll change your life. I mean, the point is you're the one that has to decide. You've got to take advantage of this defining moment. Maybe some of you uh, remember Sports Illustrated uh, had a special edition uh, of their magazine a number of years ago entitled The Century's Greatest Sports Photos. Now, it showcased some of the greatest photos of the past hundred years, the 20th century. I want to show you the first one. Uh, There it is. It's called The Catch. 1982. Now, if you were a 49ers fan, I mean... You were ecstatic. You loved it. But if you were a Cowboys fan, you wept. That one catch was the difference between going to the Super Bowl and just going home. That's a defining moment. Or this one, a picture of Jack Nicholas, 1986. I mean, at this point in his career, everyone thought he was over the hill. And then he signed up for the Masters. People couldn't believe it. He went up against Tom Kite and Greg Norman, and he won to win his sixth Masters, unheard of. That's a defining moment. Or this defining moment of Brandy Chastain, uh, 1999, I mean, she kicked, in the World World Cup soccer, she kicked the penalty kick in overtime that beat China for the title. They won the, the, the world championship because of it. That's a defining moment. It changed her life forever. Or this one, 1989, it's called The Shot. Michael Jordan took the ball down the court. Everybody knew he was going to take the final shot. Everybody on the other team, everybody in the stands knew. But they couldn't stop him. He took it and he made it. The Shot. Some of you are old enough to have remembered this in 1980. The U.S. was in in the doldrums and against all odds all odds the American hockey team beat the Russians it couldn't happen but it did and you might remember the announcer just screaming do you believe in miracles do you believe in miracles that was a defining moment that changed every one of those men's lives and then you may remember this Nebraska's Heisman Trophy winner Eric Crouch 
Look at that. Now, that wasn't a penalty. That was a felony is what that was. His head's turned completely around. And the guy who did that to him didn't get 15 yards. He got, well, 10 to 15 in the slammer. He won the Heisman Trophy that year. Wow. Can you believe that? And then there's this. In a publication of action shots, I mean, you wonder, what? why is this one included? I mean, of all the pictures. And it's even more remarkable when you learn that this was considered the photograph of the century. And when you discover that, you wonder, what did they see? Why don't you just look at that for a moment? Drink it in. And as you do, I want to read to you a portion of an article written by Gary Smith that will literally take you inside this photograph as you look at it. Here's what he writes. Come on in. No, you won't disturb a soul in this locker room. They're all lost in that place that most folks go maybe once or twice in a lifetime when their mamas or daddies die or their children are born, a place they don't go nearly as often as they should. Trust me, these boys will never know you're here. You see, that's the reason we picked this out of all the Cracker Jack sports pictures that we might have chosen. It's our favorite of the century. Not claiming it's better than that famous one of Muhammad Ali standing and snarling above Sonny Liston laid out like a cockroach, or the picture of Willie Mays catching the ball, the baseball over his shoulder in the 54 World Series, or any number of others. You see, this picture is different. You can walk around inside this picture in a way you can't in any of the others. You can peer right inside the tunnel these boys have entered. Their boxer shorts are hanging right there on the hooks behind their heads. But their faces are showing something even more personal than that. Can you smell it? No, not the jockstrap sweat or the cigar reek wafting from the coach in in his brown hat. It's the smell of men about to go to war. I'm inviting you into 12.50 p.m. at the Cotton Bowl on January the 1st, 1957, just moments after the boys have returned from the pregame warm-ups. Just a quarter and a just a quarter of an hour before the, a legend is born. A room full of young men from Texas Christian University are about to try and stop the best football player in history. A fellow from Syracuse by the name of Jim Brown in his last collegiate football game. There's no no denying it. A, A lot of folks might whip right past this collection of sports photos, rushing to look at the slam bang plays at home plate or those high flying Michael Jordan circus shots. It's funny, the older you get, the more you realize that this is what sports are mostly about the moments before. The times when people take a flashlight to their soul and inspect themselves 
for will, for courage, for spirit, the step that separates men from the rest. Who am I? And and am I going to be enough? That's what you're peeking at through the doors. And believe me, those are two big, scary questions. You see, every man has to go into his own personal locker room of life and ask the question, who am I? Do I have what it takes? And that picture, better than anything else, expresses that up there on the screen. There's a great adventure for every man in this room. I promise you it's there. But you have to go into the locker rooms and where in the moments before you've got to decide, am I going to go for the great adventure or am I going to play it safe? Am I going to embrace a life of mediocrity or a life of greatness and courage? Every man has a defining moment before him today, and you've got to go inside yourself, and you've got to decide three things. Let me give them to you. Number one, who he will be. That's the first thing you've got to decide. Who am I going to be? Am I going to be an adventurer or am I not? Secondly, what he's going to give his life to pursuing. And thirdly, this is most important, how much effort will I give before I quit? Now, those are sacred moments. Those questions stir a man deep within. And that's why letter B says it's in the critical moments of life, real adventurers will step forward and choose the high and noble while everyone else, you could say, shrinks back and chooses what's safe. In other words, you can choose to squander what you've received over the past 19 weeks, or you can choose to master it. And that means, well, it starts with the past, your design. But you've got to take into account, well, the future, your destiny. And the past and the future, you've got to bring in sync with one another. That's where it begins. And if you stay with it, I promise you, you'll come alive. You'll begin experiencing the great adventure as you look back, but it's always it's just your choice. And did you know, look at letter C, it says the Scripture acknowledges the importance of defining moments like that. In fact, I want to give you two great examples. The first is from Joshua 24. I mean, you might be familiar with this. Israel was going into the promised land and faced all kinds of issues uh, and barriers, uh, things that were going to cause problems. And so Joshua issues this defining moment challenge to the nation of Israel. He says this, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You see, they had to make the choice. He couldn't make it for them. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether God, whether the gods of your father that your father served that are on the other side of the river. Now, those gods, their fathers served, ruined their lives. Or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, they would ruin their lives if they chose them. But here's what Joshua says. But as for me and my family, I will serve the Lord. And they did, and they all moved forward into the promised land. Did you know Moses issued a similar challenge to the people of Israel during his time? In Deuteronomy 30, he said this, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, those were defining moments, and this is a defining moment for us on what we will do with the material as we leave here. And so what I'm saying is that D, 
the key now to being a great adventurer is you. It's not me. It's not the material. It's going to be you. I mean, the ball's in your court. And that, that means that before you, there's going to be hills to climb. There are going to be personal demons you're going to have to face. There'll be battles that you're going to have to fight. It means you're going to have to exercise raw faith and courage to go forward. That the path is not going to be easy. It's not going to be smooth. It's going to be difficult. As you write those down, I mean, just look at them. Did you know each one of those is the it's the opponent of the great adventure? It's what you're up against. It's what you've got to overcome. Some guys overpower them. Lesser guys are overpowered by them. The, the, the lesser guys begin thinking, well, well, I don't know about that. That means I've got to face some of those wounds inside. I don't know if I want to do that. Other guys say, well, wait a minute. Uh, I've got to address some issues in my marriage I've been ignoring for years. That scares me. Other guys say, uh, I think that means I've got to let somebody in my soul. I'm uncomfortable doing that. Or you may be sitting there thinking, I've got to address that chronic habit I've had for years that I'm fearful has become an addiction. Those are the opponents of the great adventure. So that's the road before us, and it can be intimidating. And we're kind of in the locker room of the great adventure, and you're looking at the moment before, and you got to ask yourself the question, am I man enough to tackle what is ahead? Only you can decide that. And so letter E says, the final step of an authentic manhood in the adventure you must take alone. Don't expect mama or your wife or a man to carry you there. They can't get you there. But here's the good news. You can do it. You've got what it takes. You can make the decision and you can move forward. So, How do you put the great adventure together to make it work? Here's what I want to share with you briefly is just four thoughts. Four quick thoughts on how to assemble the great adventure, all the things we've been learning, put it together and make it work for you. So here's the first. You must set aside some time to reflect. And I know that's hard for a man to do because men are busy. Reflection, living with your soul And looking at what's going on inside or trying to see what's going on inside is difficult. I know many of you have probably read John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. I want to read to you what he says about taking time to reflect. He says, A man's life becomes an adventure when he releases control in exchange for the recovery of his dreams in his heart. Sometimes those dreams are buried deep, deep, and it takes some unearthing to get to them. We need to pay attention to desire. Often the clues are in our past. In those moments when we found ourselves loving what we're doing, the details and the circumstances change as we grow, but the themes remain the same. To recover his heart's desire, a man needs to get away from the noise and distraction of daily life 
for time with his own soul. He needs to head into the wilderness, the silence and solitude. Alone with himself, he allows whatever is there to come to the surface. Sometimes it's grief for so much time lost. But there beneath the grief are also desires long forsaken. Sometimes it even starts with temptation when a man thinks that, that what will really make him come alive is something that's unholy. At that point, he must ask himself, what is the desire beneath the unholy desire? What is it that I'm wanting that I think I'm going to find in that unholy desire? However the desire begins to surface, it's here he begins to pick up the trail. When we, al- when we allow a cry to rise from deep within our souls, a cry for a kind of forgotten courage, one difficult to hear, one difficult to embrace, not just answers, but one that leads to another life. I'd say a life of adventure. Guys, to make sense out of the material that I've given you, you've got to take time alone, reflecting, thinking, journaling about what you've been discovering and what that means. It's part of the journey for you. So you ask yourself the question, who am I? Where am I going? Why am I here? I mean, those are big, hairy questions we talked about. They're questions that only you can answer. And the hardest thing a man does, especially you achievers out there, is to sit still, sit quietly, and wrestle with those issues. But only you can do it for you. No one else can do it for you. So you need to think about three things. You need to think about your design, but it's more than just reading your profile. You've got to take that information and look for ways to engage it and apply it into your life. And you need to think, number two, over your wiring and what tested red. In other words, what are the negatives? Remember the diagram about your wiring? Remember what that looked like? There's the past. There's the present, and there is the future. So you go through there and you test the past. I mean, you ask yourself, have I dealt with the wounds and the unfinished business of the past? And if you haven't, that test read, and that has to be dealt with. That may tell you where you need to focus. If it tests green, then you're okay. Uh, And then you test the future. You ask yourself, where am I going in my future perspective? I mean, what are your dreams? What are your plans, your aspirations? And if there's a lot of confusion there, a lot of fog, you go, I don't know, then it's going to be testing red. Um, So maybe you need to spend some time there. Or maybe you go further into eternity and your destiny, and you ask yourself, do I know where I'm going when I die? And You know, we've talked about that, and if you have no confidence about how to answer that, then you've got to spend some time there because that's coming for all of us. I mean, a real man will work through the circuits of the past, the present, the future, and eternity and ask the question, am I willing to take on my past and look at those wounds and bring about some healing there? Am I willing to think about the future and not just dismiss it and say, ah, it'll just happen one day? 
but get some specifics written down about your future? And am I willing to deal with the issues today that have cropped up? I mean, you'll never come to any conclusions about your life if you don't take the time to sit and reflect on this, your wiring. That's your first step. Or that's your second step. Finally, you need to take time to fill out your life compass, your dreams. Fill out that life compass. I mean, you remember that thing? It's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, you're asking yourself the question about the future. You know, before I die, I want to. And six different questions you're asking there. That's a simple too, but you know what makes that thing so hard? It's because as you work on it, it's shouting at you. You don't know where you're going. I mean, that's, that's the words that come off the page. You don't know what to put down. And that's uncomfortable. But it's a place every man's got to go. So you, you take the time to work through those issues, uh, and that'll be important. So and, and the question I need to ask you in our locker room before our cotton bowl is, have you taken time to do that? If you haven't, you need to schedule some time away. Maybe get a little place somewhere. I mean, I, I loved it in Colorado. I'd go rent a little cabin up in the mountains, and I'd sit there for a day or two and hike and just reflect on what God was telling me, you need a place like that for you. It's down by a river someplace out in in in, the, in nature, maybe as it warms up. Spend some time doing that. If there's no sense of quality time given to it, then what will happen is what most men do. They take the stuff, they close their notebook, they put it on the shelf, and it just sits there, and you go passive, and you're the loser uh, but you've got to assemble all the pieces. I can't do it for you. Only you can do it for yourself. You've got to do it. And then uh, my second thought is you would be wise to interact with two or three safe people about your thoughts and conclusions. And I'd include your wife in this if you're married. And then listen to what they say and make of the appropriate refinements. Other people tend to see us better than we see ourselves. So listening to safe people, I think, is critical. You can say, hey, what I'm thinking about is I've got to address some of the wounds of my past. And you just talk about them. And they listen, and then they give you some reflection. Or I think I may need to deal with that father wound. And you just say, you know, I had a father who wasn't there. Or my father abused me. And you tell your story, and they listen. It's a safe person. This is just not anybody and as you talk about it, what's amazing is you begin to see clearly what needs to be addressed. But because you've never verbalized it with somebody else, you just thought about it within yourself, you've not seen clearly. Or maybe you need to deal with that a habitual problem. Or here's what I'm thinking about in my future. And you tell the individual about it. And that interaction becomes a way of clarifying so you go back to your design, your wiring. Uh, you look at your future plans. You begin honing that with somebody you trust that knows you well. And that's going to be a significant critical step in the great adventure for you. And then thirdly, decide on a prioritized plan of action. Now, one of the things that happens is you begin applying material like this. There's always the temptation. Every man has this to do too much. Strap on 15 changes. You can't change 15 things. But maybe there's two 
three things you can begin working on now. I mean, what, what a man needs in the beginning especially is just one or two good victories along the way to spur you on to winning more victories along the way. So prioritize one, two, or three things. Chisel on them for a while. Spend some time ruminating on them and build some momentum. So start with your wiring. That needs to be a priority. Number one says use your wiring to prioritize. And, and, I mean, we've gone over that. Uh, Take time to reflect on the pluses and minuses. What spot needs your attention the most right now? Now, most men can just identify that. Most men know, well, golly, if I was to choose a spot, it would be this. They just know instinctively and instantly what it is. Maybe if it's your marriage, you need to focus on that. Maybe it's a father wound. I, I never had a dad, or I had a dad that abused me. I mean, most guys just know intuitively what their number one thing is, so you make that a priority, and so you you don't leave it there. You identify it, and then you process it, and you begin working on it. And maybe that might mean some counseling for some of the wounds. But you're a courageous man, so you go do it. You don't let fear hold you back. Those un- unaddressed wounds are like little toxic canisters that were buried in your past deep that over time they begin to leak out and that toxic material begins infecting the rest of your life, everything. Or maybe the way you've dealt with the wounds is you just numbed them. Maybe it's been alcohol or drugs or pornography, whatever it might be, and that worked for a while, but that cheap thrill has just worn off. It's not working for you anymore. It's empty, so you've paid a heavy price. You need to address that before you pay any more. And no matter how hard you try to just do it by yourself or even to to ignore it or do it by yourself without the help of others, uh, it's going to be futile. So there may be a priority to address those issues in your wiring, and you may need the help of a professional to help you do that. See, until you aggressively and faithfully and courageously go after that thing that you know that's there that you're never going to move forward Uh, and maybe there's no sense of destiny in your life you think about the future you go it's just a nebulous um, gray and you don't know what you're going to do maybe you need to do some thinking about that with your uh, spouse because she has to be included in that Uh, second use the four adventures of a man to help you prioritize So you remember the four adventures we said God gave every man in Genesis? I mean, there's the family adventure of love and legacy. There's the noble adventure of cause and contribution. There's the spiritual adventure of God and glory, the man-sized adventure of fun and friends. So as you look at those four adventures, ask yourself, which, which one's missing? Which one's lacking in my life? I mean, it might be a great place to start. Which one do you just think, okay, that that's the one i got to focus in on? Maybe as we've talked about a noble cause. Uh, that noble cause, put us back up, that noble cause adventure. Maybe you've just scratched your head. I mean, maybe you've lived a life of selfishness and you don't even know how to relate to that noble cause where you serve to make the world a better place for someone else. 
maybe that's where you need to start. Or maybe for some of you, um, you achievers, you, you've just had your nose to the grindstone. You've had not had any fun in years. And you need to find something that makes you come alive that's fun. Maybe that's where you need to start. But let those four adventures you know, lead you to the one you need to focus on. And then, third, use your life compass to prioritize. Remember the question for the life compass? You can throw that up next. Remember that question, before I die? Nope, go back. Nope, now go back. There we go. Before I die, I want to be, I want to do, have, help. I, I, I want to leave and, I can't read that other one. Oh, enjoy, that's right, enjoy and leave. I mean, work that through, which, and then which one of these blocks comes off the page at you? And you go, golly, I, I've got to address this. So as you fill this out, one's going to come to the surface. Then you circle that, and that's the one you begin working on. In fact, not too long ago, I met with a guy who had his his um, his page in front of me, and it was just blank. He said, I don't know what to fill this on the, in on this page. He said, I need help. And so I made several suggestions to him. He went, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, I, yeah, that, I think that would be great. And he wrote some things down. Now, I could do that because I knew the man quite well. If I didn't know him, I couldn't. And so you, maybe you need to sit down with somebody and help. they help you reflect on how you fill that out of the things that you want to accomplish before you die. Which one jumps off the page to you? So I think here's the key. You start with the wiring. You address maybe one of the, the red marks on there one of those wounds or whatever it might be on that wiring that uh, you just in your gut, you know, okay, that's what's got to be addressed. Uh, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your marriage isn't bad, but it could be better, so you address that. And then secondly, you look at those four adventures, you choose the one adventure that you say that's lacking. Maybe it's the fun, a man-sized adventure. So you put that down as a, a second priority, and then you use that life compass, and you choose one of the things that comes flying off that page. So now you've got just three things to accomplish, and those three things will become your defining moments. They'll, those three hills will become the thing you will be pursuing over the next year, and it will give you tracks to run on. You start down the path of becoming a great adventurer if you do. But you've got to decide. And then finally, D, take courage and start your great adventure by addressing first things first. Let's just say, for instance, hypothetically, what stands out in your mind uh, is uh, your job. I, I, I got some issues with my job. Well, I'd ask you, does your job make you come alive? And if you say no, then, well, you've got some decisions, some big decisions to make. Maybe you're in your early 30s and you hit the wall that almost every man hits in his early 30s uh, in your 20s you got a job to survive to provide for yourself and you went to work and you did it and you were excited to have a job but by the time a man reaches his 30s he doesn't want a job for the sake of having a job he wants to be well positioned he wants to do what he does best and so in your 30s to 35, every man 
faces a crisis. And that crisis is, how do I position myself better? And sometimes men quit their jobs. Sometimes they reposition themselves. But that's a scary thing for a 30-year-old, a 33-year-old. I mean, it's full of fear. What do I do for income if I quit? I mean, how do I find a job and have a job at the same time? But you need to strap on the courage to address that, to go forward in your great adventure. Or maybe you're an older guy and you're just burned out, and so you've got to reinvent yourself. But that's scary as well. You've got to strap on doing that. Secondly, maybe your first thing is your marriage. I mean, if it's in crisis, well, it's your first thing. That needs to be on your list. You you can have the whole world before you and be doing well in every arena of life, but if you're not doing well with your wife, then life just becomes this dull gray. And so that has to be addressed. Or maybe you're not in crisis, you just want your life to be better with your wife. And so you may need to put in your plan, well, what I'm going to do is we're going to go to a marriage conference or we're going to get in a marriage study. Uh, We're going to read a book together about marriage or we're going to do some fun things because she's always saying, I'm no fun anymore. And so you focus in on what your marriage needs. And if you're older and you're trying to reinvent yourself, let me encourage you, you've got to include your wife in that. Uh, It's not going to be successful if you reinvent yourself and you leave her on the sidelines You need her input, and she needs to be brought along in that same process. So that might be your most important thing. And then what if the wounds are holding you back? You're saying, man, I'm getting tired of living in this hole. I think i got a huge wound here. I think I need to address it. Well, you you need a guy to come across the table and grab you and say, come on, we're going to go address that. You may need a counselor to help you address that. Or... Or if it has to do with some of the wounds a man faces, some of the previous sessions we've done under uh, the quest for authentic manhood may help you address some of those wounds. Or maybe you feel like life is just one big responsibility and there's no fun at all. Well, I encourage you to go big. You need to do some crazy things. You need to go have some fun out there. Find a friend that will help you in that. Maybe someone who enjoys having a good time in life. And uh, they can help coach you in that process. Find out what makes your heart come alive and go do it. One of the great things about moving to Colorado 16 years ago and living there 10 years is the fun and the adventure in life came alive for me in ways that I had never imagined before. So maybe you need to address some fun things in life, or maybe it's a noble cause. You need to give your energy to something that serves someone else and You don't know the joy of being on the other side of that, of having served and then looking back and saying, I'm so glad I did that. Uh, The question is, are you uh, experiencing the energy of your life because you're in your life because you're serving someone else? Or maybe your first thing is the spiritual life. We've talked a little bit about that, and maybe for the first time in your life, you see there's a difference between spiritual life and religion, and you've never investigated that thoroughly, and you you wonder about that. Well, maybe your top thing needs to be to investigate that. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, God wants to have a relationship with us, and it makes sense you would pursue that while on earth because at the end of your life on earth, you're going to face him 
it would be great to have a relationship with them. And that has to be cultivated over time, so don't shy away from that. Maybe you end up plugging into some studies here at the church. Uh, in fact, I love the way Paul expressed it in uh, 1 Corinthians. Notice the passage. It's on the screen. It says, Paul said this, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Hey, you remember first semester I, I brought up the three stooges, and you probably remember Curly. Curly was the one who just kept, you know, doing this when he'd get mad. Whoop, 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 whoop. Never accomplished anything. He's just beating the air. A lot of energy expended, but nothing was accomplished. Uh, he went nowhere with it. There are a lot of guys that live their life like that. They have no aim. A lot of energy at the end of the day. They never got anywhere. So notice how Paul finishes this passage. He says, but I buffet my body and make it my slave so that I myself will not be disqualified in, disqualified in this life. I mean, I want you to finish life with satisfaction. I want you to look back on your life and say, man, I'm glad I did that. It was a life well spent. I made a lot of mistakes, but I'm glad I pursued the direction I went. Uh, that'll be one of the most uh, valuable things as you look back on your past from, your, in, from the position of your future. So I want to end with one last thing. I think in a men's ministry like this, we're looking for Caleb's. We looked at him just before we took a Christmas break. Remember, Caleb was a very unique man. There was almost no one like him, Caleb and Joshua. And I'm looking for a few Calebs as I go through life. I want to go with people like him. I mean, Caleb was a man who who was involved in an adventure in life, a, a noble cause. I mean, you remember as we looked at his life, the things that he did and the things he accomplished at 80 years, 85 years old, he said, we've conquered the lowland, now give me this hill country. I mean, I hope I have two good knees at 85. I mean, he's looking to enter a battle at 85. I would love to spend some time with him and hope to sometime in eternity. You know, I don't think Caleb got there just by himself. I think he must have had a great prayer life. I, I, I want you to just use your sanctified imagination and imagine the kind of things Caleb must have prayed for himself. I've recorded several of them on the, on the screen. Put up the first five. He may have prayed something like this, make me a leader among your people despite my start in life. You remember, Caleb didn't have a great start. His name meant dog. That's, that's what he grew up with. Second, make me willing to stand for truth even when outnumbered. Now, he and Joshua sure did that. They stood before the entire nation of Israel. Three, grant me the courage, courageous confidence in you and your promises. I mean, his confidence was not found in just his strength. It was found in the strength that God was behind him. Uh, fourth, help me refuse to see life through man's eyes. I mean, he would have shrunk back if he had seen life through man's eyes. And fifth, cause me to grieve over the sins of your followers and intercede for them. I do wonder how much he prayed for the children of Israel. Look at number six. I'm going to put up the next one. 
Teach me to know your presence, which brings boldness and direction. I think he must have known God's presence to stand before a multitude and saying, we can take the land. Seven, place within me a different spirit. Remember, Numbers 14.24 said there was a different spirit about Caleb. He was unique. Number eight, keep me from being fearful of the giants in my way. And because he went forward by faith, he saw God do amazing things. Number nine, cultivate within me a fresher and fresher faith as I grow older. I mean, his faith was so fresh at 85, he was going to take the hill country. That was the the strong, the best defended part of the promised land. And at 85, he said, now I'm ready to tackle it. And then 10, give me the guts to pray Give me the land. Give me the high ground. I mean, do you have the courage to pray that? I've recorded those ten things uh, here. You might take it with you and you might just read them through in your time alone with God and, you know, tick one off every day and pray for it. Praying for you. Praying God would help you in this process of determining what your great adventure is going to be. So, Here we are, we're in the moments before, the moments before our cotton bowl, and only you can decide whether you're going to be an adventurer or not. Uh, Will you go for it? I mean, that's your decision, and I hope that I'll hear stories. In fact, I just need to tell you this. I sat down this past week with a guy who went through this material, well, six to three years ago. And he ended up changing jobs. Uh, in fact, um, he, he works in a job in D.C., and that led to another job that has him flying all over the world. He said, I never would have imagined I was doing this. Um, some of you guys will remember him. He's a guy who emceed for several years, Kip Fanta. And I sat with, down with him last Wednesday, and we talked about the great adventure and so the decisions he made in these defining moments, help paint a picture of what his future could be like. And he's so glad he did it. And that's what I want for you. In fact, um, you guys can turn in your your uh, mission statements here. I need those uh, so you can graduate. And we're going to do graduation next week. Uh, come early. Be here at 6 for a great breakfast. And then when that's over with, I, I want to give you a final challenge. Uh, I want to give you a a memento to help you, remind you of this year that I think you'll enjoy. And I want to get a team picture too. So uh, see you back next week. If you eat breakfast, be here at 6. We'll have a great time together. Thanks, guys.